This is May 11th, 2021, and uh, I'd like to address what seems to be a pretty widespread phenomenon uh, in our country, maybe other countries too now, uh, which is languishing. And uh, I'm picking up on this uh, not just from general sense of uh, the times, uh, but from uh, an article that appeared in the New York Times uh, three days ago now. Uh, several people have uh, emailed me this article, so uh, I'm sure some of you have read it. But uh, here's the name of the article. There's a name for the blah you're feeling. It's called Languishing. And it's by a uh, an Adam Grant who's an organizational psychologist at Wharton School of Business and the host of the TED podcast, Work Life. So first I'm going to uh, pull some sentences out of this article. Actually, most of it uh, I'll leave uh, unread, uh, unread aloud. But uh, he, he begins by... Uh, mentioning what he hears, what he's heard from his uh, friends and family. Friends mentioned that they were having trouble concentrating. Colleagues uh, reported that even with vaccines on the horizon, they weren't excited about 2021. Uh, And then speaking from his own experience, instead of bouncing out of bed at 6 a.m., I was lying there until 7 playing words with friends. And then he goes on. It wasn't burnout. We still had energy. It wasn't depression. We didn't feel hopeless. We just felt somewhat joyless and aimless. It turns out there's a name for that, languishing. Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. And it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. He goes on to say that, uh, that uh, this may be the, uh, the emotional long haul of the pandemic. You know, there's long haul COVID and this, uh, the, the physical symptoms uh, that they're discovering, and now uh, this is a is a kind of e- emotional equivalent of that. Um, he says in the in the early uncertain days of the pandemic, like last year, it's likely that your brain's threat detection system, called the amygdala, was on high alert for fight or flight. As you learned that masks helped protect us, but package scrubbing didn't, you probably developed routines that eased your sense of dread. But the pandemic has dragged on, and the acute state of anguish has given way to a chronic condition of languish. And then skipping a little more here, he says, Languishing is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. 
You don't have symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on work. Or, this is my insertion, cut back on sitting. And more on that in just a minute. He says, part of the danger is that when you're languishing, you might not notice the dulling of delight or the dwindling of drive. You don't catch yourself slipping slowly into solitude. You're indifferent to your indifference. When you can't see your own suffering, you don't seek help or even do much to help yourself. Uh, and then um, a few paragraphs later, uh, he talks about a possible antidote to languishing. And guess what he says? A concept called flow. Now, I'm getting betting that most of you have heard about flow. It's um, It originated with this uh, Czechoslovakian psychologist by the name of Csikszentmihalyi. Um, years ago, where it's the, it's a sense of losing yourself in what you're doing, losing your self-consciousness, losing, losing a sense of time. And, uh, and it comes from concentration. It doesn't have to be sitting, of course. Uh, anytime we're really concentrated on something, really absorbed in something, then we are opening the, opening the gates to flow, the state of flow. Whereas, on the other hand, uh, the opposite, fragmented attention is the enemy of flow, the enemy of engagement and excellence. All of which is to say that surely uh, there's no no better uh, antidote to uh, to languishing or um, or portal into a state of flow than sitting. Um, now, leaving leaving the article itself aside, um, I, I think he's clearly onto something. Um, we're in a we're in a transition, aren't we? Uh, we're 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 moving a little bit, little by little. We're moving out of what has been how what words do you use? An extraordinary, uh, an unprecedented year of survival. We're moving, uh, edging out of that toward normalcy, um, and yet uh, we can't really ever rewind to the pre-pandemic times. There have been so many articles about this, about how things cannot be the same. Um, People say they can't ever be the same. Well, yeah, technically, we, we can't ever 
go back, we, as, as Heraclitus, the, the uh, philosopher said, we don't step into the strain, we don't step into the same stream twice. But uh, ever is a long time. So you know, maybe we'll find our, ba- our way back uh, later this year, next year, to something similar to our, our existence before the pandemic. Uh, but for now, we are in this, um, this sort of nether world. There's still, even now, there is still, with all the, the, uh, increasing numbers of people who have been vaccinated, uh, there is still a lot of uncertainty as to what exactly we're safe doing. None of us has been through this before. We're just uh, groping. And, uh, and I think another, another word for groping, well, not quite, but uh, as part of that groping process is uh, a state of, of, of languishing. Uh, another word came to me, inertia. For the past year, Many of us have accommodated ourselves to home life, and that means also sitting at home. If we're sitting at all, we're, we've been sitting at home. And uh, we've acquired a habit. It's a kind of another, inertia is another word for habit. It was the old... Uh, uh, Definition in physics, a, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. A body at rest tends to stay at rest. Well, uh, with the, with the isolation that most people have had, uh, we've been at rest for, for quite a while. And now speaking just for myself, uh, we have developed a, a habit of, uh, some comfort in being at home all the time. That is, those of us who are fortunate enough to have been able to uh, adapt to this at home. Let's just talk now about for a minute about sitting. It's pretty comfortable to sit at home, isn't it? It's pretty convenient to sit at home. And I suspect, though I don't know, suspect that uh, people have become so accustomed uh, to this custom of comfort and convenience that it's going to take a while for us to um, to more of for more of us to find our way um, back to our routines. And that, for local people, local, Rochester locals, that means finding. Finding their way back to uh, the Zen Center, either at Chapin Mill or or Arnold Park. It's really um, uh, I, I've been the last, these last few weeks I've just been in the, a kind of a state of wondering what what is going on. You know, we have uh, we have our, our morning sittings uh, are uh, pretty substantial numbers of people. Evening sittings, 
not. I just heard from Amala Sensei uh, in uh, New Zealand that um, they've exper- also experienced uh, the the kind of slowness with which people are coming back to their zendo. You know, they uh, New Zealand distinguished itself as one of the leading countries in terms of effectively dealing with uh, uh, COVID. Um, they were they shut everything down, uh, and their numbers were so good that they eased up, I guess, at some point, and then things went south again. So they had to uh, close things down, and then when they when they opened up a second time, she said both times, both of the reopenings, uh, they saw in their. In their Auckland Zen Center, they saw uh, it take it took a while for people to to come back. Think of all the think of all the things we can find to do um, in both in the evening and in the morning instead of uh, getting out of the house and going to the Zen Center. You know what, what springs to mind is podcasts. Okay, like this. Podcasts. It seems, uh, maybe I'm slow coming to this, but uh, just in the last uh, couple weeks, I've come to realize how many podcasts there are and how popular they are, how many people are spending so much time listening to podcasts. And, uh, you know, I haven't, I, I, I don't know that I've ever heard a podcast. Um, I'm sure there's just so much rich, stimulating material on podcasts. Um, but it got me to thinking, is how many podcasts or how much time do we as Zen practitioners want to spend listening to podcasts or, of course, watching Netflix or those other things? Um, and just to, to to get to the the radical nature of Zen practice, just a reminder, Zen is about emptying ourselves, not filling up. Well, if we took that to the extreme, uh, well, sashin, our sashins are the extreme end of that, um, where there's no, people are told not to read and certainly not to be listening to anything other than um, daily Dharma talks or Teshos. So, yeah, if you're uh, a monk or nun, then that would make sense to cut out all uh, incoming material in order to simplify, simplify the mind. I mean, that's what that's what Sashin is. It's the ultimate simplifying of the mind. Um, so, yeah, it's a question of priorities, isn't it? What is it that we want?
how much stimulating material, how much um, broadening of our knowledge do we need as Zen practitioners? And each person, of course, uh, has to set their own priorities as what, what matters the most. I guess I would just uh, float the idea that um, hearing more and more podcasts or seeing more and more movies uh, in the end is not ultimately going to serve us well if what we want is to understand ourselves and uh, the nature of reality. I'm, I'm concerned about uh, our locals, Rochester locals, not coming to sit at Arnold Park. Um, not, uh, the main thing is sitting, not where, but the daily sitting. This is, you, you, you're not really practicing Zen if you're not sitting every day or almost every day. Or put it this way, you're not really going to get much out of Zen unless you sit daily or almost daily. And the wonderful thing about online, these online sittings we've been having for more than a year now is that um, out-of-town members, um, who ha- that is, those who have no Sangha to sit with in person, uh, they they now have a way of sitting with others, sort of with others. It's wonderful. People, uh, uh, more than more than a few people have said, I hope, these are out-of-town people, I hope we never <clears throat> uh, stop having these Zoom sittings. And uh, what I've said is, we won't. We're not going to, they're never, as long as there's Zoom, we'll be having morning and evening sittings. So, that's that's one of the most uh, marvelous things that has come out of this past year. I've noticed myself uh, how nice it is to uh, not have to get up with an alarm. I, I just wake up naturally about six o'clock and then can putter around the house and do this or that until... Uh, shortly before the 7, 7 a.m. sitting starts. And I've noticed my own resistance, not strong, but, but it's there. That's, that's what we, that's what many years of Zen practice does. It, it, uh, enables us to become, to notice things we wouldn't have noticed before. So yes, I notice traces of resistance to going back to morning and evening sittings at the center. Because it is so convenient and comfortable at home. Let me uh, toss in some words of the great Sufi sage, Rumi, the wonderful Rumi, who said, Wherever you find a lullaby, leave. Safety is 
final danger. In the end, that is. In the end, our um, comfort zone is final danger. So these Zoom sittings are, are, are a double-edged sword. Yes, in so many ways. Uh, they're, they're just a wonderful, uh, a wonderful turn of events um, that, we'll, that we'll stick with. But uh, almost inevitably, um, uh, sitting at home uh, in front of a screen is going to be a more lax experience. That is... We do have the freedom. People are encouraged to not move uh, during those rounds. But but when we're home alone, we're not disturbing anyone by moving, uh, fidgeting, and so um, we can do that. And we can we can show up late for these sittings, and we can leave early for these sittings, which is not something uh, that we allow uh, at the Zen Center, or that I think many, many, if any, uh, temples or Zen centers or monasteries allow. So there's a certain uh, sacrifice of sacrificing of convenience and comfort uh, when we're sitting with others. But there's a payoff from that. Ursula Le Guin uh, said this, For discipline is the channel in which our acts run strong and deep. Where there is no direction, the deeds of man run shallow and wander and are wasted. You could say that this is a testimony to uh, the the restrictions, it's kind of another word for discipline, the, di- the discipline that's required to sit with others for a period of time without moving. I'm finding <clears throat> these last two or three weeks uh, that the center, the Zendo has reopened, I find that the more more I go in there for sittings, uh, the easier it gets. It's, 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 there's a certain routine, a rhythm that's being reestablished every time we do that. And how inspiring it is to sit with others. To sit with others in the same room physically. And especially... In the case of of Arnold Park, a room that was built for meditation from the ground up, a room that uh, that rose up from the ashes, literally from the uh, the fire, the the catastrophic fire of 1968, which was just was even before I came, and of course at Chapin Mill, where. At Arnold Park, there is still the shell that remained, and so we were limited in that respect for what we designed. At Chapin Mill, we started from 
a grassy field, a grassy knoll, and built it for meditation. And Doksan, I cannot, I cannot express how thrilling it is to be facing people in the same room <clears throat> for Doksan. It's, it's three-dimensional. And what do we have for online Doksan? Two dimensions. That screen. If that's, if that's one's only option, talking again about out of town people, then, <clears throat> then great. There it is. A lot better than nothing at all. I've come to love, uh, Doksan, uh, with, with out of town people, uh, who I wasn't able to have it with before. I really, it's one of the great privileges and, uh, um, compensations of this past year that so much suffering is to to have been able to see so many so many uh, people I, I didn't see before even though it's just on a screen but then then to how to speak from my own perspective to have people come in live again these past two weeks and to sit together facing one another. We're, we're at a good distance, seven feet or so apart, just to be super cautious. Oh, what a difference. What a difference. Two dimensions versus three dimensions. So, I suppose that um, besides just inertia or habit of... of sitting at home. The other thing for some people would be their concerns about safety of uh, COVID concerns. Now we've, we've had an, uh, an ad hoc committee working for the past uh, few weeks, um, meeting together um, every week or so, week or two, uh, to, to talk about what's safe and what's not uh, in our reopening. Um, they're pretty conservative. They're pretty conservative. Um, just this week, I heard some leading virologist, I think her name is uh, Lena Wen, uh, say that there's no reason for fully vaccinated people not to meet together. And we have to we 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 have to balance that with uh, state mandates, state restrictions. We're trying to be uh, squeaky clean at the Zen Center. Um, but here's something to consider: for if you do have reservations about uh, the safety uh, at the center, uh, we did a, a few months ago. Uh, Scott Redding, uh, one of our staff members. Uh, installed an industrial uh, air exchange system, a two-function air exchange system in the uh, Arnold Park Zendo. Um, pretty sophisticated. It took quite a while to do this. Um, and when the, when the weather in Rochester finally reaches 
seasonal norms, if it ever does, we've had a long stretch of, of cold weather, uh, we'll be able to open the windows as well. And then Chapin Mill. I wonder how many of you know that at Chapin Mill, in the Chapin Mill Zendo, there are 45 windows uh, at about head level when you're when you're walking in the Keening, and then another 19, I think, uh, up in the big structure above the Zendo, uh, uh, the what we call the monitor. It's a lot, and plus uh, nine ceiling fans, big airplane propeller ceiling fans. So there's enormous amount of air exchange out there. Anyway, all of this is to uh, to encourage those of you who are able to locally, of course, local members, to give it a try. Um, give it a try twice or three times. See if you don't, if you're not inspired to sit with others again. And again, to 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 remind yourself, as I'm doing now, reminding myself that um, we we what when have we ever been able to change ourselves when we take the path of least resistance? When have we been able to uh, change the world without effort. I'll disclose with these words of uh, Japanese Zen Master Dogen on exertion. He said, and these, these, this uh, I remember many times, Roshi Kaplow uh, quoting him this way in, uh, in Sashin's in the 1970s, exertion is not something that people of the world naturally love but it is the last refuge of all. Sitting. Sitting. And, and uh, not just uh, sitting and letting, letting ourselves uh, sift through our thoughts, but making a real earnest effort at sitting. Yes, at home, if you must sit at home, but oh, Ah, what a difference it can make to sit with others uh, and uh, really cleave to the the uh, the discipline that that uh, requires. Thanks for listening. Oh, one last thing. Uh, it occurred to me that that you could say the same about podcasts as you do about reading. One of the questions that comes up. Um, often at workshops is uh, what place does reading have uh, in Zen practice? And uh, after talking about both sides somewhat, you know, that uh, reading can, reading the right material can be inspiring, I close by saying um, whatever book inspires you to close the book and go sit, that's, that's a good book. And I would could say the same about podcasts. So um, if you haven't already been inspired to stop your device and stop hearing me um, and go sit, uh, this would be the time to do it if you're going to do it at all. Goodbye. <laughs>